When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? L.J., doing good. Uh, You know, just making it through the week, as always. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to talk about uh quite a few topics here on today's show we got some guys approaching milestones some guys that uh broke milestones uh and just some other general news so uh yeah lj shall we get right into it with our first uh story here um no because we forgot one very big story a actually a show story that will be coming up Mm this week actually before we say that make let me make sure that this actually uh was announced today because i believe it was supposed to be if not it's kind of embarrassing yes all right so it is official now that the unhinged sports network will be joining the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network is another part of our family. In addition to Unhinged Radio coming in, it will allow us to play shows on their site for their online radio. I'm really not doing a good job explaining this, but I will do a better job pitching tomorrow. Basically, 
we're going to have a best of of the entire week's shows about an hour's worth of content from throughout the week some of the lasting segments every week starting on mondays of the following week so starting next monday there will be a best of mlb daily of this entire week for you to listen to if you want to hear some takes again if you've missed a couple episodes and want to hear them back those will be there for your enjoyment on the unhinged radio network uh absolutely great to have them around yeah excited to be able to uh work with the unhinged radio network and uh i'm excited about our our little show that we're going to do uh you know the best of it should uh be honestly the best way to absorb our content if you're unable to to listen to it every day i mean once a week you're basically going to be getting an hour of the best that we have to offer which uh hopefully is somewhat good analysis and uh covering pretty a little bit of stupidity yeah a little bit of stupidity and hopefully we're covering a, a relevant topic but yeah yeah so far it's been mostly relevant topics honestly that that's that's the uh fear you risk putting me in charge of the best of podcast yeah uh editing, editing me can get often as much of tangents as podcast me so that's not always the best thing but no i think this is going to be really great definitely go check it out we will be on mondays starting on the five at the five o'clock hour we are the five o'clock p.m hour just as it's either your last hour of the day at work your ride home if you want to throw it on on your phone and listen to us but throughout the week we should also be having a couple of replays on during the morning or the evening of our shows so really it's just going to be overall not only a great marketing tool for us but a great way to consume the content and i believe we will have the best of mlb daily as a one selective um unhinged exclusive content so you're gonna have to go over there to check out those types of fun things all right well let's get into the actual mlb with our first big number of the night being 499 brandon that's how many home runs miguel cabrera has hit in his career now he sends another one out of the park today and is now one home run shy of the 500 home run mile marker he is one home run shy of 500 and i believe he is uh at about 50 hits to 3000 so he's going to be able to mark off both of those accomplishments hopefully he can get the hits this year if not he'll for sure get 3000 hits next year uh but it's going to be amazing to see this guy finally hit his 500th homer uh pretty much a first ballot hall of famer in my mind uh i don't see how you can leave him off your your hall of fame ballots i know that the voters the last few years have been kind of stupid with the way that they've been voting but uh when he becomes eligible i don't see why you wouldn't 
vote for him on the first ballot. He's not a cheater. He's not a juicer. Everything he's done has been completely legitimate. And one of the players that when I was growing up, I got to see dominate for quite a quite a long stretch there in the 2010s. And that was that was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I I just I I remember Miguel Cabrera at in his prime vividly, mostly because of the Red Sox run in 2013 and having them be the real legit super legitimate competition to not just win the American League, but to win the whole thing, to win the World Series. Uh you absolutely feared Miguel Cabrera. I have to 100% agree with you. There is no good reason, even with the voter base that they have, which is basically a bunch of guys, old guys that got picked last for wiffle ball every time in gym class is who they have voting for. Basically me and you, but just like older, but also with not a lot of common sense. No, 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 no. All right, maybe not us, because I think the difference is maybe I'm overvaluing myself. I don't have the ego of I'm going to make every single other person hurt and burn because no one paid attention to me. Like half of the stuff that they do around ballot time is entirely about attention with these writers. So it, it's really unbecoming of any adult. And I, I certainly don't see myself that way. I don't see Brandon that way either. We would make much better voters than any of most of these guys at least. But I mean, even with that, he is a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, because if he is to get to that mark, again, and we say he will be the sixth player in MLB history to have 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. There are only five players to reach both of those milestones in their careers. And I mean, they're all easy, easy Hall of Famers. There's no way you couldn't put him on there yeah the only guy that isn't in the hall of fame on that on those lists is the like the obvious ones rafael palmero he has 500 homers and 3,000 hits but he was a notorious juicer so he doesn't really count and then the only other guys that that did it were uh geez i i had named them the other day right uh yeah let's see if you can do it again that's escaping me. Oh boy. 500 homers, 3,000 hits. Rafael Palmero, um, A Rod. Yes. I'll, 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 I'll fact check you as you go. Yes. I don't think Ken Griffey got enough hits. No. Um, he finished at 27-81. Let's see. Uh, oh, Hank Aaron. Yes. Pujols, right? Yep. And there was there was one that I did. There was one that you had no clue what to get. Oh, he was in them when I was I was surprised that I didn't get it. No, you were surprised. You would have had no way of getting it, but I really think you should get it this time. Oh, yeah, the man. The man, Eddie Murray. 
Baltimore yes, Orioles. Baltimore yes. Orioles legend Eddie Murray is the black sheep of the 3500 club. Always forget him. I mean, it's not it's not it's not you. I mean, he is probably the last guy I would have actually expected to have 3000 hits and 500 home runs. No no disrespect to him, but he is by far the least flashy name on that list in terms of career like legacy longevity. Oh yeah, uh absolutely. And I feel like he's a guy who was underrated his entire career, especially when you look at his accolades and stuff there. He doesn't really have uh a lot. But LJ, uh so I'm watching a highlight here on ESPN. Can I get your thoughts on wh- where the Yankees and White Sox are going to be playing today? And that is at the Field of Dreams game. And I believe this is just in the middle of Iowa somewhere. Yeah, it's in the middle of Iowa. Look, the idea is fantastic. I'm surprised they haven't done it sooner. The only thing is I am properly skeptical of how this is going to go because as great as an idea as this is as well as they've promoted it like overall i've seen um advertising for this quite a bit over the last couple days and they just most they just recently started sending out the promo packages to the different fox sponsored groups and everything like they had it on uh oh it was on fox and friends it's been on fox sports um Fox Sports broadcasts for a couple of days now, they send out to different people these wooden baseball, looks like the uh, home plate, but it's made of wood. And then you open it up and it starts playing the Fox, uh, Fox Sports theme with a video screen of the Iowa field and all sorts of memorabilia. Everybody's been showing that off over the past couple of days. So overall, I think they've done a good, good job of promoting it. The problem is going to be, will the product actually live up to the idea and will it live up to the promotion? Because I'm not talking about the players as much as I'm talking about the facility and the overall, you know, the amenities, like the overall video quality, the camera angles. I mean, granted, they built this place from scratch for the purpose of being able to broadcast a game here. So I don't think they're going to have that much of trouble, but they very well could. So I want to, I, I want to see an inning or two before I know how excited I can actually get about that. Yeah. And then, you know, for me, I also have to deal with the fact that it's like, okay, like this is my team that's playing. Right. So I need to give some sort of deal of attention to the game, but then it's like, these two teams are in the midst of a playoff push. And now we're just kind of throwing this wrench in here. And it's like, oh, yeah, like, I know you guys were supposed to play in Chicago. But, uh, yeah, we'll just play in the middle of Iowa for, for a game. We'll just call it the Field of Dream game just in the middle of August. Why not? To be fair, it's not as bad as sending the Red Sox and the Yankees to London it like the last week of June and expecting everything to be fine. They didn't even line that up with the all-star game, which is what I, what shocked me. I'm not entirely certain why. They just wanted to get the Yankees and Red Sox out of the country. 
<laughs> they just they said you guys need to go. We're so and, sick. We're so sick of you. We want we want to look at other rivalries. That's our goal right now. Um, no, seriously though, like that makes no sense because yes, Red Sox Yankees is the biggest rivalry in sports, and you 100% should have them representing your brand in areas that your markets you're trying to break into. However, they had that game. It was because I was at. I was at the Boys State New York camp that weekend. I remember that week. I remember it well. It was early in the week. So it would have been like the first or second of July. And then they had to come back and basically like the next week after that was the all-star break. Is, well, could, could there really be any logical reason they couldn't have pushed it or scheduled it maybe a week later? So it was, okay, we're going to send these two teams out of the country now and then they're going to come back right in time for the start of the all-star break and then kind of give all those guys a free pass on whether they go to the all-star game. Because if, if you're going, if you're going to go all the way to England to play a game, you've done enough service towards the brand of baseball. You don't have to go play in the all-star game as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, and especially the way that that series ended up uh, playing out you know, with the mound not being the the correct height, with the curve balls for whatever reason not breaking whatsoever. LJ, as your dad says, they were throwing 12-12 curve balls. <laughs> the twelve good old 12-12 curve ball. Always it's just fails a spinner you. at that point. It's just it's just a spinner. Oh. Yeah, there was just that was rough. I mean again. The score was like 20 to 16 or like 18, 14 or something. And it was like, geez, I wish I wish that every game was like this. Like to to the European people, they were probably loving it. Like they had no clue. They're like, oh, they're not supposed to crush the ball every at bat. No, and then again, well, I mean, that's just the that's the power of travel. You know why they don't play much baseball in Australia, right? Why they have that? they have they have no control. It all spins the opposite way. <laughs> <laughs> you try to throw a curveball and it comes flying back at the batter, and you're a like, "Screwball, yeah, here? it's a screwball." <laughs> That's why they didn't show up in the Olympics. Baseballs and toilets have very similar physics. What can I tell you? All right, uh, moving into some more numbers here. This is kind of a quiet number because Shohei Otani has now hit the 38 home run mark. Of course, still leading the league in homers. But where has the Shohei Otani coverage gone? Like, is this a protection of Stephen A? Is this something? Because it feels like it's been radio silence about Shohei Otani since the All-Star break. And he's hit at least seven home runs since the break at this point, which is a good clip. So what's the deal? I can tell you what the deal is. He has three hits in August is, is, is what the deal is. He's just cold. He's three for whatever in August right now. And it's August 12th as we're recording this. That's, that's the issue. Yeah, again, that's kind of out of, it's out of character for some of those media companies because 
when they like to get a narrative, they love to grip onto it like a bulldog. And very often when a player isn't playing well, they'll stick to it. Yeah, but ESPN is 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 getting into NFL season. The Angels are out of the playoff hunt. Trout's not even playing. They already got all their Otani coverage for the All-Star game. I mean, that was an absolute dream for all the media companies was the All-Star game. And uh, now you can just start talking about the NFL. ESPN is the biggest sham ever because they they are just for for a company that quite clearly started out with really good intentions they've fully taken on the mickey mouse ideal of we're going to buy up everything and we are going to be the greatest monopoly people have ever seen well i mean that is the disney way funny that you call it the mickey mouse ideal when they literally are a sub uh, subsection of of a Disney. Oh, absolutely, Pop Papa Mick, Papa Mick raises those guys well. But again, you just think about it. Some of the stuff is so petty because, like, you look back and listen to people talk about, listen to the documentaries of the starts of ESPN, the roots of ESPN, and it was all about creating great sports content for the love of sports and all of that. All of a sudden it has very quickly become, okay, not only is it mostly ratings based, not only is it mostly, Hey, look at what technology we have. It's cool. This is so cool, but it's also petty as hell. If they don't have access to some form of property, it doesn't matter if it's how popular it is regionally, locally. It doesn't matter how much good they could do the sport to eventually even get them back. They do not care to cover it at all. Well, and I think a good example of ESPN, you know, pulling some shady stuff is think about what their hockey coverage has been for the last couple of years. Yep. Like brutal, brutal coverage. They barely talk about it. Now, all of a sudden, they sign this deal with the NHL and they're going to be broadcasting all these games on their family and networks like ESPN, ESPN2, all of that starting next year because the NHL's contract with NBC ran out. So now you're going to have all these games on ESPN and they're going to start to care about hockey. They care about baseball sometimes when they have a national game on there. Sure, but they don't really care about baseball. Is it getting the same coverage that the NBA and NFL is? Absolutely not, because guess what? The MLB doesn't the MLB is smart and doesn't pay a billion dollars to ESPN to broadcast their games. Or I believe it's the other way around, right? ESPN pays the NFL, or is that yeah. the other way around? No, ESPN pays the leagues. All right, well, the NBA and NFL get such extensive, extensive coverage. Yeah, the other thing, well, I think what you're trying to get at is, particularly with the NBA, it's exclusive coverage. Right. The, the House of Mouse owns NBA coverage. Between Other than TNT. Well, isn't TNT connected? No, because TNT is a Turner. Uh, that's, Still, 
That's so it's a, it's a vast it's a vast amount of their coverage is held up in ESPN, and so is football. Not only does that, while that does give the leagues some power and unfortunately control over the media narratives, it gives ESPN just has too much power for their own good with this, and they think they have a lot more power than they do. I think they have to eventually come to a point where they realize that they are not the giant, the titan of the industry that they used to be. This whole thing with NHL, which from a business standpoint, they made the 100% right move. Because if they're going to let, if the NHL is going to walk away from ESPN, why not let them hurt? Let's, Let's take out as much coverage of their sport as we can. Overall, keep the national popularity down because we're the biggest network in the sport and make them realize we they need us. That's not the case anymore. With the amount of people that are cutting cable each and every year and going to streaming services, that is the new frontier for sports. And we're quickly, quickly seeing all of the different sports leagues across the different sports, soccer, hockey, baseball, basketball, they're all dissipating into different streaming services. And so the most of which a lot of people have. So rather than having a cable centric ESPN, which does have ESPN plus, which is doing well, but still they're based in cable. I think they have to really start to realize that they need to be competitive and fostering good relations and relationships rather than playing the hardball method if they're going to coax them away from so many different suitors. Well, the next topic that we're going to bring up here is involving the Mets, and we might as well bring in that other topic because, the first of all, the Mets get rained out today. Mm-hmm. They do end up playing finishing that one game that they started last night. Now, LJ, I have a question for you because they resumed this game in the second inning, right? Whatever happened to the whole, if you don't play through the fifth inning, it's not an official game. Does that rule just not exist anymore and you can just start the game from whenever you want? No, 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 no. If you don't play through the, if you don't play through the fifth inning, you have to restart the game. Yeah, but they didn't restart this game. They started it from the second inning. No, 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 no. They have to start, continue what I mean. You have to continue the game. If it gets to the fifth inning on, if it's the fifth inning and the losing team has batted, then that can count as a full game. See, I always thought if you didn't get to five innings, whatever happened in the game just gets wiped away from Oh, no, no. No, they they restart in whatever inning it was. Okay. So yeah, so like if they if they get if they get through three innings, then absolutely cannot make it through two more to get to the. All right, let's just call it a win or a loss. Then they have to find another time for everybody to get back there or to do a double header and then start from that third inning. But if it's the fifth, if it's the bottom of the fifth and the home team is winning and you can hold on for another half inning so you go to the bottom of the sixth 
let the other team have the last ups and then you call it, then that's a full game. Well, the Mets end up taking the continued game eight to seven against the Washington Nationals. It was a very exciting game. Uh, they get big hits coming from Pete Alonso with a double in the seventh, Jonathan VR with a sack bun, and then Brandon Drury with the clutch single to put the Mets in the lead. Game two uh, was scheduled to be a seven-inning game. Game one was a nine-inning game because that's how it was started off as. And game two ends up getting postponed. So now, question LJ, now that that seven-inning game was postponed, do the Mets and Nationals now end up having to play a seven-inning makeup game, or does this now go back to nine innings now? It will be a seven-inning makeup game because it didn't start, and it will be a doubleheader. Got it. Because they're playing it tomorrow. So, yeah. Well, and then the other very relevant story here is that the Atlanta Braves have taken first place in the NL East now uh, because the Philadelphia Phillies lost again to the Dodgers tonight. Uh, they got shut down by uh, David Price and the Dodgers bullpen once again. So Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Yeah, LJ, uh, Atlanta, who just a few days ago had been on a stretch where for 18 games in a row, they didn't win more than one or lose more than one in a row. And now they are in a playoff spot, four games over 500, and they have won three in a row. Look, I don't know how this team does it. Like, this is impressive for them to be able to do this. Granted, I took the Braves to win this division coming into the year. However, a lot of unexpected has happened since then. Ronald Acuna Jr., their best player, one of the best five players in the entire league, tears his ACL, is done for the year, only gets to play about half the season, and they're scrambling to figure out how do you replace such a key piece of offensive production. Marcelo Zuna screws up his fingers and then screws up his life with everything that is going on with his um, police battles and legal battles right now. Ian Anderson, your rookie of the year candidate, 
not only comes in has a has a fine fine second season, but then all of a sudden has a flare up of shoulder issues in the past month. We don't really know when we're going to see more of him and how much we're going to really get to see him this year. Mike Soroka, you're one of your best pitchers from last season and the season before, coming off off of an Achilles injury, manages to screw it up walking back to the dugout. Like, these are the type of stupid injuries and bad luck that the Braves have been plagued with this season. And they have somehow, oh, and Huascar Yanoa acts like a uh, 15-year-old boy and throws a temper tantrum, breaks his hand in the dugout. So the amount of ridiculous stories that they've had from the injury market right now is unbelievable for the fact that they're able to crawl their way back into this division. You know, you're absolutely right. And Huascar Inoa, you know, people seem to forget that, yes, so he slams his hand on the bench. The reason he did that was because he made, like, pretty much his first bad start of his career. Like, he made one bad start, goes back to the bench, slams his hand. He's been out since May 16th. But he was one of the best pitchers in the league to start the season and you're right they lose him they lose Soroka they lose Acuna but this team gets savvy at the trade deadline I believe they end up trading for four outfielders total right because they get Josh Peterson Jorge Soler Eddie Rosario and um who is that last one they traded for um, um, it was oh, Adam Duvall. That's right. Yes, they, got Adam they, Duvall they traded back for Adam Duvall. <laughs> they ran out of ideas, so they started going back to former players. But it was a, I mean, great moves for them to go after those guys. And look, I mean, I guess the one, the one weakness about this team is the bullpen. And let's not forget that they did add Richard Rodriguez right from Pittsburgh. Uh, so he is now in this this bullpen, and this was a Braves team last year that was one game away from making the World Series, had a 3-1 lead on the Dodgers. They pulled a typical Atlanta sports moment, but uh, so now the Braves and Phillies are tied for first. The Mets are only one game back, and we have ourselves a very very fun race here lj i remember me and you in the offseason we were talking about how excited we were to see how the nl east plays out at the start of the year we were kind of bummed out because of the way it was playing out and we're kind of well we're still kind of bummed out these aren't good these aren't let's remind ourselves these aren't good teams we were talking about it like there were four contend legitimate contenders for the nl pennant this year and Two of them were coming from the NL West, and at least two of them were coming from the NL East. We are now looking at it where none of them are coming from the NL East. Fair, but I also think to an extent these teams aren't as bad as we think they are. I just think that they all kind of beat up on each other, and that's why they don't have the best records. But I do agree with you that they, you know, they these aren't, the cream of the crop, but they're certainly very good teams. This is the race to see who gets to lose to Milwaukee. That's really what it is. Fair, fair. Um, 
moving on from there, we're going to move into a little bit of a callback from the other day when we were picking our series, talking about this Red Sox-Rays matchup. And the one I pinpointed as the big one, as for momentum, not only for the Red Sox going forward, if they can kind of get out of this terrible, terrible rut, but moment, I mean, even for the Rays momentum-wise, particularly momentum for this series was going to be the middle game where you have a guy of jo- in Josh Flemings who can, he, he, he can pitch. He, he, he really can pitch from time to time versus, spoiler alert, um, versus Nathan Eovaldi, who has been on a really cold stretch. I thought this could, could have gone either way, this matchup. This did go in, in t- pretty entirely one way. I would say um, Josh Flemings was tagged for at least eight runs tonight in a 20 to eight Ray, uh, Red Sox win overall, you know, complete team effort. Bobby Dahlbeck gets a career high five RBIs in this game. This, this wasn't what I was expecting out of this game. I, I, I welcome it, but I mean, a win's a win. Yeah, a few things of note here. First of all, uh, what I don't know what happened to Josh Fleming tonight, but you're right. He usually is a pretty solid pitcher, doesn't really get tagged like that. Yeah, and three and a third, 11 hits, 10 earned runs, six, walk, six walks, and three strikeouts. One of those walks brought guys around the bases. That, that's not even my favorite pitching stat line of the night because sure Nathan Avaldi seven innings one earned 10 Ks you know looks very dominant but the Red Sox were up 20 to one in the ninth inning and you brought in a guy Phillips Valdez and he's like no I don't really want to end the game I'm just going to give up oh I don't know five hits in two walks and allow all seven of those runners to score so we can win 20 to eight instead of 20 to one. I'm just going to make the game an extra 25 minutes because I, I'm going to choose to not pitch and just allow seven runs. And I'm surprised that Alex Cora didn't pull him. He was just like, you are finishing this. It's a 19 run game. <laughs> okay. But How when, but when is- your guy is out here, like dying, giving up, five hits in a relief in a one inning relief appearance to give up five hits clearly he just didn't have it tonight look i'll explain that in a second but the the law of averages pretty well dictates you cannot put up 19 runs in an inning before you get you can't put up 19 runs before three outs get put on the board like, it doesn't matter how bad a guy is pitching. It is pretty much impossible. Like, we've seen, like, position players go out there all the time and get these ridiculous pop-ups on major league hitters and are able to escape with maybe no runs, one run. So it, it's not that easy to get 19 runs. But I'll tell you, this goes to show how overall broken the Red Sox fan base is right now. I turned to my dad earlier and said, uh, in, by earlier, I mean um, probably, I believe it would have been, yeah, it was 14 to 1 
I turn to my dad and say, Barnes is going to get a save tonight. I had I had serious doubts that they were going to manage to hold this on just because it's been such a a rough time. They have they the Red Sox have not played a complete game in a couple of weeks. From You've adopted the Yankee fan sort of adage of well this is going a bit too good right now. Like what's, you know, what's what's the catch here? You know, what's it's amazing. Catch? Because I never thought with the way that this team has just always operated. I mean, they went through a rough stretch where they had to basically, they played Tampa twice, Houston twice, New York, all in a stretch of like three weeks in May. And I'm like, okay, this could really break this team. And then all of a sudden they kept chugging along through that. They took losses, but they still had that edge about them. That edge isn't there right now like this team looks like they've been bullied by the entire league and they really don't know what to do about it at this point so overall there's there's not that same edge there's not that same spirit that's why you're not seeing a complete game that's why you're seeing the offense be there the starter be there the reliefers not be there that's why you see the relievers be there the offense be there the starter just poop his pants and allow six earned runs so, you know, if you don't play a full complete game, you're not going to get very far in this league. As for Valdez, not to assign too much blame to Cora because, I mean, this happens, but can you really expect that much good to happen when the guy hasn't pitched in like a week as a reliever? Yeah, you know, like, team, you know, you guys, like, and not specifically you, but people are always, like, quick to jump on the whole uh, Yankees, how they don't use a pitcher three times in a row. But then you run into situations like you just brought up where you're using the same guys every day. And then you have guys who haven't pitched in like a week and have just been sitting out there for seven games in a row and haven't even been thought of. Well, to be, to be fair, they have yet to... What do you call it? They they haven't been. It's not like they've been using guys three days in a row. Hmm. All all of these guys are getting adequate rest, but there just hasn't necessarily been the usage for some of these guys. And of course, another thing that factors into that are these moves to shake up the rotation, because of course now you, now you're adding, or at least it feels like you're adding players into this mix that haven't been there before you've got um, particularly Martin Perez has taken two outings in relief over the last couple of days. So, or over this last week. So it's, there's a lot of moving pieces with this, with that being said, Tanner Houck makes another start, his first start full-time in the rotation this season tomorrow. And then Chris sale will be back with the Boston Red Sox on Saturday where we all wait with bated breath. Again, can't get the expectations too high, but he's an exciting guy. Well, things are certainly looking up, at least right now, for Boston. You want to know who else things were looking up for tonight? That was the old man himself, Adam Wainwright, who had himself a 88-pitch 
complete game shutout. LJ, is that our first Maddox of the season? That is our first Maddox of the season. Furthermore, that is the oldest player to throw a Maddox in the pitch count era. Like since they started tracking the pitch count, that is the oldest player to do it. Or the also second should be noted that he allows two hits to the Pirates. He also picked up two hits at the plate tonight. So basically what we're telling me is he effectively hit, had a no-hitter. Effectively, yeah. Uh, LJ, I believe so. Is the correct qualification for a game to be considered a Maddox is a shutout, is a complete game shutout with less than 100 pitches, right? I believe so. I'm not. I'm not sure. This is certainly a Maddox if I've seen one. Then only at 88 pitches. It may be lower than that because I feel like that happens. You know, I really don't think it's very. It happens very. Maddox. I found the Maddox rod, a handheld instrument composed of red parallel plano convex silver lens. I don't even know what this is for. I'm intrigued. It's used for digging, prying, and chopping. Okay. Maddox in baseball. Uh, yeah, fewer than 100 pitch, pitches. Well, I mean, Adam Wainwright, that, that doesn't surprise me that it's the oldest Maddox, but I would have thought that Maddox had the oldest Maddox, honestly, because he pitched for quite a while. But I guess towards the end of his career when he was on, like, the Dodgers and the Padres and the Cubs, like, it, that's when it was uh, – or his uh, second stint with the Cubs, I mean. But that's when he wasn't really a workhorse anymore. Still getting close to 200 innings, but nothing like what he used to do. Again, it's – I mean, it's not It's not like Adam Wainwright's a spring chicken either. I mean, we're talking no. about a 39-year-old. That's really impressive because we talk about it a lot how – as players get older, as players shift into their early 30s a lot, if they had success early, which Adam Wainwright certainly did when they get into those early 30s, at some point along the line, the stuff that you were able to initially rely on in your youth starts to fade, and you have to go into this basically a second career as a pitcher. And a lot of guys find it. Some guys don't. Um, of course, we can see that here, 2016, he has a huge, or after after an injured 2015, he ends up with a 4.62 ERA in 2016. That's a drop off from his last full season, where he was at a 2.38 ERA. Goes up to above five, gets around to 4.46, just above four, and then now has two back to back years right now, where he is in the low threes. So obviously he has straightened himself out incredibly right now, but. You don't see that type of efficiency from older pitchers. Yes, they can still get the job done, but that is a very efficient time for this guy. Wainwright has been, at least this season, one of the more underrated players of the year. I mean, check out his ERA, check out his FIP. I mean, his FIP, not even counting tonight's start, was it the lowest it's been since 2016, 2015? 
Like this is he's he's been kind of having a resurgence, uh, even through in his 2020 season, which was so great. You know, we didn't expect him to come back, sign a one year deal and be as good as uh, he has been this year. It's really incredible. What sucks is that he's good. And usually when he's good, that means the Cardinals are good. But just as a team, I mean, we talked about them last night. It's just it's just all downhill for them. And it really sucks for Wayne Wright because this could be, you know, I, I, I think he'll come back for another year, but uh, not the way you want to have your second to last or potentially last year go. But he can stay as long as he needs. Honestly, I mean that feel that feels like that feels like the mo of the Cardinals. Don't get me wrong; they run a great ship over there, but they they certainly have like to hold on to guys as long as they can. I would not be shocked if he wants to play. I think they'll keep him around as long as possible. But we have one more story for tonight before we get on out of here, and that is also going to come out of the. NL Central. I threw all of these in, admittedly, in a kind of random order into our schedule. And then all of a sudden I looked at it and I'm like, wait a minute, we're covering like basically three separate things that are all generally the same. So I was able to get some of these divisions put together between the NL East, the NL Central and all of that. That made me pleased. But yeah, Corbin Burns ties the record for consecutive batters struck out in a game tonight at 10 consecutive strikeouts. That ties Tom Seaver, who tell me who it is. So Tom Seaver, who originally set the record. And then let's not forget Aaron Nola tied the record earlier this year. And uh, so, yeah, he ties Aaron Nola and Tom Seaver. This guy, uh, what he end with 15 strikeouts and eight innings of shutout ball, I think is what he ended with. I believe so. That sounds right. Uh, I mean, it's that's the most strikeouts by any pitcher, I'm pretty sure, this year. Ties Jacob DeGrom or Shane, Shane Bieber, one of those guys. And, you know, what else is there to say about? Corbin Burns other than like holy shit this guy's season has been just incredible (laughs) I mean just flat out since the start of the year this guy has been the best pitcher in the National League I think and whether you want to call Walker Bueller or Wade Miley or Zach Wheeler one of those guys yes they're all up there and that's going to be a battle, certainly, down the stretch for this NL Cy Young, really. Really, both the NL MVP and NL Cy Young is just out of a group of, like, six players, whoever plays the best in the next six weeks is going to get those awards. And Corbin Burns gets is certainly putting himself on the right path uh, to win the award. And 15 Ks he didn't walk anybody again. And of course he started the year off with that incredible stretch where he struck out. What was it? Close to 50, 50 guys. 57 it was. Yeah. 57 guys in a row without 
allowing a walk. So we know his control is elite. His his FIP has just been so good this year. He doesn't allow home runs, really. I mean, what else is there to say? LJ, I think, yeah, you put it in the title. He called Cy Young. He's calling Cy Young right now. Look, yeah, he absolutely – Corbin Burns called Cy Young today. It, it's undisputable. And as much as I like Walker Buehler, and I think if you look at the full body of statistics – I think he, he still probably is the Cy Young right now. However, I would have a lot of trouble not picking Corbin Burns because to me and to a lot of people that decide this, to a lot of people in the world, stats are not the only thing that matters. If you can be a dominant pitcher, that means just as much as what the stats say if you have those memorable moments. Truth be told, as, as he yes, he's pitched great in – some big series, but I don't remember very many dominant moments of Walker Bueller where he just blew the competition away, blew the doors off the place. Corbin Burns now has two of those claims. He came into this year at least firing, firing on all cylinders with this those 57 strikeouts, and then all of a sudden comes out here and ties the record for consecutive batters struck out, has an incredible game here in August. So, yeah, I mean, I just think those signature moments speak a lot to me when I'm talking about this. Again, if, if, he, if he has a bad start, of course, he, he, might, he might very well be out of the picture at this point. That's how all of these guys work right now. But I think I'd have to give it to him right now. I think I'd probably give it to Zach Wheeler still. Uh, but now after tonight, this is – made it so much harder for me uh but i mean let's not forget what what uh, corbin burns did two weeks ago was it against the reds where he pitched into the ninth inning had like 12 strikeouts or something and that was just a couple of weeks ago so i mean he's been putting together another really nice stretch here i think the important thing with the Cy Young if you want to be able to win is you have to be so consistent throughout the year that yeah, you can have a couple bad starts here and there, but you certainly can't have the starts back-to-back, and you can't have very many of, of bad starts like that. And when you're making 35 starts in a year, uh, yeah, it's it's tough to stay that, that upright, that consistent, but Corbin Look, Burns has been able to do that uh, incredibly well. It's tough to do that in terms of starts. The way I'd rather look at it is by months because it's all, all these types of awards are about because they're not directly statistically driven. All they're about is being in the conversation, being memorable. So re- realistically, you can only have maybe maybe one, one and a half, quiet months where you're not necessarily in that conversation the rest of them you have to very very clearly assert yourself as a candidate for this award and you have to be able to do that through the stretches the only other exception to that is that area where you're just okay that quiet month month and a half cannot come in the back half of the season people who have bad augusts and bad septembers 
immediately die out of the Cy Young competition. That's just any award. Any award. Any award, yeah. That's true because when you think about it, those are the games that matter most. The actual playoff picture, everything you're actually fighting for the entire season really starts to come into picture in those last two months of the season. If you can pitch great when the pressure is high like that, that's what really makes the Cy Young. And especially in those last few months of the year, I think we forget people just in general have incredible recency bias. That's just how we act as humans. We see something happen in real time and then we react a lot more over the top and uh, exaggerated than, you know, in, in the moment than we do when we're looking back on it. And the thing with, with recency bias is that the season ends, the voters vote on the awards right then. So whatever is going through their head, whatever kind of narrative they're trying to push, they can either really push that narrative based on what happened, or they have to change their narrative to find something because these voters, like they get criticized quite a bit for their ballots and as they should, because there's no reason why you should be submitting like a dumb ballot. And reason recency bias is such a huge part of the awards that you're absolutely right. You need to have a good August and a good September or you don't have a chance. But all right, uh, I think that is a good spot to call this show. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to check us out on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at MLB Daily Pod. Check out the Belly Up Sports uh, family of, of accounts uh, also on all those social medias. Check out Unhinged Radio. At Radio Unhinged on Twitter. Beautiful. At Radio Unhinged. And uh, be sure to play the trivia game on our Twitter. Of course, that's at MLB Daily Pod. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.